Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, it's Brian Lehrer, a daily politics podcast. It's Thursday, August 25th. Let's dig into the details now of President Biden's student debt forgiveness announcement yesterday. You've probably heard the basics. $10,000 of debt cancellation for anyone making $125,000 a year or less. $20,000 in debt cancellation if you received a Pell Grant for college. Pell Grants go to lower-income students, if you don't know, and don't have to be paid back but generally do not cover the full cost of a college education, so Pell Grant recipients have lots of student debt, too. The president emphasizes that the debt relief will be targeted at those who need it most, and since most people are not rich or living large, he says 95% of student debt borrowers can benefit from these actions. Listen. That's 43 million people. Of the 43 million Over 60% are Pell Grant recipients. That's 27 million people who will get $20,000 in debt relief. Nearly 45% can have their student debt fully canceled. That's 20 million people who can start getting on with their lives. President Biden, in a video released by the White House yesterday as part of this announcement, Biden said that the pause on federal student loan repayment that's been in effect during the pandemic, will be extended one final time through the end of the year, and they'll restart in January. With me now to answer your questions on how it affects you and also talk about the policy and the politics of this is Danielle Douglas-Gabriel, national higher education reporter at The Washington Post, who focuses on the economics of higher education. Hi, Danielle. Thanks for making time for us on a big news day on your beat. Welcome back to WNYC. Thanks for having me back. So, Danielle, I see you wrote an article in The Washington Post about how student debt uh, in America actually shakes out. So who holds student debt? Well, there is quite a a number of people who are over 40 who are holding student debt. Um, There are a lot of young people who folks tend to focus on the most. But there are folks, as you mentioned, in their 60s still paying off their debt. A lot of times the folks I've spoken to in that population decided to go back to school to sharpen their skills during the Great Recession, tried new fields, and as a result encountered debt that they're still having trouble paying off. In other instances, they have taken out loans to support their own child's uh, education. So it's, it's really across the board. It's not just young people that we're talking about here. What do folks have to do to move to the practical side here in order to actually have their debt forgiven if they qualify? I see that some people will have the debt forgiven automatically, if I'm seeing this right. Others will have to apply in some way. Yes. So about 8 million people who would benefit from this will have their debt uh, erased automatically. And that's because the Education Department has their income data on file. For the remainder folks, they will have to uh, do a simple form from what I'm hearing. Haven't seen the form yet, so I can't attest to how simple it is. But they're supposed to submit an attestation form showing their income and that they qualify. The form has not come out yet. Once it does uh, go live, we will certainly be alerting our readers to its existence and giving them some kind of guidance to, to be able to get through it. Uh, That should be out within the next month or so from what I'm hearing from the Department of Education. I get the sense that the president uh, extended the payment pause to give the department some time to really work through this process. 
Are Parent PLUS loans included, the federal loans that parents of undergrads can use sometimes to help the kids pay for college? Yes, they are, as are Grad PLUS loans, which are the loans that graduate students can take out to pay for their advanced degrees. So does a parent have to be making less than 125000 or two fifty if they're a couple uh, in order to qualify? Yes, and that's based on adjusted gross income. And you just said grad students. I thought graduate student loans, uh, graduate school loans were not included in this debt cancellation. Is, which is it? No, they are included, yes. The only form of loans that is still uh, under some decision from what I'm hearing from the Department of Education, and I, I don't think this has changed yet, is this older bank-based loan that was very prevalent before 2010 um, called FELL. And there are two different types. There's FELL that's held by the Department of Education, and there's FELL that's held by commercial entities. The latter one, the ones that's held by private entities, I think there's still some discussion as to whether those will be included. What I'm guessing, as has been the case in other uh, programs and initiatives the department has done, you may have to consolidate that loan into a newer direct loan to take advantage, but I haven't gotten confirmation on that yet. But all the other types of loan, Grad Plus, Parent Plus, Undergrad, Stafford, and Unsub and Subsidize, all of those count as well as, as um, fell that's held by the Department of Education. All right, that's very clarifying. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that was that was an exhaustive. No, list. that was that was really People helpful like for a lot of yeah, yeah because uh, we have listeners in all of those categories, I'm sure, and you know it hasn't been in the top line of the articles and the broadcast stories and online. So that's really great that you said all that. And politically, Republicans are united against this, from what I've seen claiming it's inflationary. A few of the more centrist Democrats are also taking that position, especially if they're running in competitive swing districts in the midterms. Um, does the debt relief come solely from the taxpayers, or does some of it come from banks that made some of these loans? Well, not necessarily the banks. I mean, this is uncollected money. This is money that the, the government had booked that it was going to collect, even though, to be totally honest, there's a lot of uncollected student debt because of people who are delinquent in default. And even when their wages are garnished and such, they don't, the government doesn't typically get back the full amount and often spends a lot of money chasing that money and never collecting it. But in this instance, yes, this is money that's really going to be absorbed by the federal lending program itself. I, I guess it's a lot of folks keep saying it's on the backs of taxpayers, but it's not like you're going to see an increase in your taxes to offset this particular program. It doesn't quite work like that, but I certainly understand folks who are, are very concerned about the fairness aspect for people who didn't go to college and the majority of Americans did not. And for also people who went to college, didn't borrow or who went to college, borrowed and repaid their loans. Uh, so that has been an argument of many people. The inflation aspect, certainly I think the president tried to address this yesterday by saying that many of the measures that his administration has taken thus far has helped to bring down inflation and to address that. And while yes, this could potentially have a marginal impact on inflation, his belief is that his administration has done enough that it will not have a material impact. This particular policy will not have a material impact on inflation. A critic of the policy, I believe. David in Englewood, you're on WNYC. Hi, David. Thanks for calling. 
Good. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, uh, I want to bring up just a couple, a couple of points I made for to the uh, screener. But one of the points I want to make up is people like myself are suckers. Because I went to graduate school at Northwestern University. I paid my entire student loan back. It took me 10 years, 10 years of sacrifice, but I paid every penny back plus interest. And now, all of a sudden, come December, that magic month, you don't ha now you have to start paying it back. It's all political, and it's outrageous. So you're going to have uh, a plumber or a car salesman or a bus driver paying for someone to go to law school. Don't, this whole canard that this doesn't, is the taxpayers not picking this up, wouldn't pass accounting 101, and I was an accounting major. Uh, it, it's, this is one of the most outrageous things I've ever heard of. And, it, 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 and remember, when the student loans were taken over completely by the government in 2010, Obama said, oh, this is going to lower the cost of student loans, lower defaults, and all this other stuff. It's, they took it over so that they could do something like this to get votes. And people that paid their student loans are, are just suckers. They're just okay. suckers. And, what, and it teaches young people the wrong, the wrong message. In other words, you can sign a contract voluntarily and, oh, the government will just uh, let you walk away from it and let the taxpayer pick up the tab. It's outrageous. David, thank you. And what would President Biden say to David's critiques, both on the, the moral hazard, quote unquote, what he was describing at the end? What lesson does this teacher teach to young people about their responsibility to pay back their loans? Uh, and... What about him and some other Americans feeling like suckers for having paid back their loans? I think Biden's position, uh, and I think we certainly heard that in a very robust defense of the policy yesterday, is that this is a one-time deal, that's one, and that it is crafted in a way so that the majority of the benefits go to people who are earning less than $75,000 a year, um, not the doctors and lawyers with six high six-figure incomes. So that's not who's benefiting the most. I think the addition of Pell being a proxy for trying to address first-generation students, low-income students, um, is another way that the Biden administration is trying to make sure this is more targeted. 60% uh, of borrowers had Pell grants during their college career. Uh, Pell grants are for folks whose families typically make under $60,000, half of them under $30,000. Uh, so I think that has been the argument I've heard from the administration addressing those sorts of issues about who is receiving this relief. And here, I think, is sort of the flip side of the same question. Let's see what Laura in Manhattan has to say and ask. Laura, you're on WNYC. Hi. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. I might be sort of already answered, but my question was for students who are already in college now, will this have any effect on them? And if not, it seems like if this is just a one-time deal, that students who are accruing debt and um, especially the interest that starts accruing as soon as they are starting school and can't pay it back until after they've graduated. It sounds like we're going to be still in the same situation, you know, years out if there's not more attention paid to um, the relief and, and high interest rates and dealing with, you know, student loans coming out of school in the future. 
Do you have any idea how that has been addressed or thought about going forward? Danielle? Yes. So actually all loans that were originated and all loans, except for that, that potential commercial fell bit um, that were originated before June 30th of 2022 would uh, apply. The, the relief would apply to those loans. So that includes students who are currently in college. That could be sophomores, that could be uh, juniors, seniors, and in some instances, freshmen, I guess, if they've signed their promissory note already and, and the disbursement has commenced. So they are getting benefit, some benefit for this. And you're right, there is a lot of concern about this not really addressing the root cause of why people borrow the cost of college necessarily. And also the kind of wage stagnation that is, makes it impossible for families uh, incomes to, to keep up with the cost of college. The, the president said that in the accountability aspect that he's trying to, to address and create a more holistic approach to um, to this issue of higher education would be looking at the schools that are performing the best for students. What are their outcomes? How are they serving their students? Are a lot of their students ending up with debt and a few prospects for being able to repay that five years out, 10 years out. So not exactly sure what that accountability looks like in a practical matter. I think we're gonna get more information about that going forward, but there are also other rules uh, in, in the works to try to address some of that issue of cost and, and the value of higher education. So the administration is, from their standpoint, trying to make a more holistic approach so that this debt cancellation isn't the centerpiece of how they address affordability, access, and the value of higher education. One of the other critiques that I've heard in the last day from Republicans is that, hey, colleges are still allowed to raise tuition, and there's nothing in here that really holds down the underlying issue, which is the ever-increasing cost of college. Uh, and so I saw President Biden in the announcement yesterday talk about how they would hold fraudulent colleges uh, accountable for offering worthless degrees. But that's not to say anything about, you know, the vast majority of schools that are legitimate colleges, all the colleges everybody's ever heard of generally, um, but where tuition and other costs associated with attending are going up and up and up for such a long time at a much faster rate than overall inflation. Maybe this year overall inflation caught up, um, but more and more and more and more expensive college. Does this do anything to get at that? Or are we going to have the same conversation in 10 years, 20 years with this generation of students? I mean, this policy, no, does not address that. I, I think the Biden administration probably would say that there are other policies that they're working on, more transparency about the cost and the outcomes uh, that they're hoping will help uh, also, accountability for for-profit schools, of course, was an allusion to the gainful employment rule, which is supposed to measure like how many graduates of, of career colleges. And this isn't just for-profits. It's also a lot of community colleges that offer trade programs and other sorts of career programs. Um, whether or not their students are graduating with more debt than their uh, credential is allowing them to, to repay. So there are, are those measures that are trying to... that are taking place parallel to to what was announced yesterday. But certainly, no, it's not going to be enough to address the cost of higher education. 
I do think, however, that some of the market dynamics will start to impact higher education and may force more schools to think about their um, value proposition to families in the sense that enrollment is, is down at regional publics, at small private liberal arts schools in, and the least selective sorts of schools. And I do believe that that's going to put pressure on their bottom line. Tuition revenue is a huge deal for most schools, and that's how they keep their doors open. If they cannot fill the seats, they'll have to think about ways of whether their value proposition makes sense to families anymore. And I, I imagine we may see some, uh, some kind of price constraints come about as a result, mm. maybe at the margins, but I do feel that'll have an impact. You wrote in the post before the announcement that the issue has divided Democratic lawmakers and policy experts influential with the administration, putting Biden in a spot in which he's guaranteed to antagonize some supporters. Advocates say the president should fulfill a campaign promise to alleviate the large debt burdens of millions of young Americans. And critics say that could exacerbate inflation while mostly benefiting high-income college graduates who do not need assistance. Well, we've talked about that. He addressed the high income, the cutoff of who's eligible. Uh, but still, you wrote, administration officials must choose between canceling substantial debt, potentially giving Republicans a new talking point ahead of the midterm elections, and infuriating young voters and racial justice organizations whose support they also need at the polls. And there has been some lack of enthusiasm about this. Derek Johnson, head of the NAACP, who'd been advocating for a $50,000 cancellation, said it's a decent start, but not what they were hoping for with just $10,000 or $20,000 for Pell Grant recipients. Uh, can you talk about the racial justice aspect of this? Why is this an NAACP issue? I think the issue here in part is that the majority of student debt is being shouldered by black borrowers. And if we want to get more specific by black women uh, and for, for myriad reasons, lack of financial resources in order to afford colleges, uh, also labor market discrimination that has pushed many uh, black borrowers to go to grad school in order to stay competitive with white counterparts who have uh, less education. All of those factors are kind of playing into this kind of explosion of debt we've seen among black borrowers in the last decade. And so this has become a racial justice issue because it was, at least in, in the eyes of people like Derek Johnson, and others who are really pushing for, um, for racial equity, it was racial discrimination and structural racism that led to wealth inequality that, that made it necessary for Black folks to need to borrow at the levels that we've seen. So any policy that that addresses that kind of, of disparity would have to, to really think about the racial implications. And I certainly... The push was for 50 and it wasn't just him. It was folks like Majority Leader um, Chuck Schumer, Senator Elizabeth Warren, uh, Congresswoman Ayanna Pressley, and many others had really pushed for the 50,000 in part because that would wipe away the debt of like 95% of, of folks who hold student loan debt. And it would address some of those racial inequalities. But the president had always stood firm on the 10,000. And I think a lot of people were surprised to see the the addition of the the Pell bonus of sorts uh, that gave a lot of people twenty thousand. But he had never really wavered in his his kind of 
hesitancy to provide so much cancellation uh, and certainly his, his questioning of whether it would uh, get to working class people, to low income, middle income people. And I think by putting the Pell uh, feature in there, mm-hmm. it addresses a lot of those concerns. So last thing, as we run out of time, I see you have another piece in the Washington Post out today, 10 other ways to get your student loans forgiven. Do you want to list off a few of those other ways and then we're out of time? <laughs> sure, because you know, I, I, I thought about write, really quickly writing that piece in case people are like, okay, I still have debt, now what? Um, certainly public service loan forgiveness, you work for 10 years in a public sector, making payments on your loans, whatever is the remaining balance can get forgiven by the government. Working for AmeriCorps, you can also get a scholarship that would essentially an award that would allow you to pay off your loans. Teacher loan forgiveness. Um, this is a federal program that pays up to seventeen thousand five hundred on your um, on your loans if you work as a teacher in a high needs area for X amount of years. There are also state programs. Every state has at least one uh, student loan forgiveness program, usually geared towards high needs. Uh, areas, social workers, nurses, anyone within public in public health, oftentimes, uh, teachers, definitely, goodness, they're joining the military. There are lots of education benefits that come with uh, service to our country. Goodness, let me think what else is there, because I, I did get 10 and I, I was going to keep going. Oh, the other thing is there are a lot of private employers who are offering these student loan repayment perks as a part of their compensation Mm. packages. Mm. This is really, this had really picked up. And then during the pandemic, we started to see it fall off some because a lot of private companies were like, you know what, instead of doing that, I will offer you emergency loans. If you're having a hard time, get with childcare, I'll offer you emergency um, childcare payments and such. But now as we're coming out of those, you know, the closures and lockdowns and such, I'm seeing more large companies and some middle-sized companies starting to offer student loan repayment as a perk. There are, there was recent um, congressional laws that had made it easier for companies to do that in terms of their ta- the tax benefits of it for them. So I think you're going to see a lot more of that too. But I do encourage people to do the research and look to see what's out there. You'd be surprised, especially on the state level, how expansive some of these programs are. Danielle Douglas-Gabriel reports on the economics of higher education. Thanks for filling in uh, our listeners on so many of the details of the Biden plan and adding that um, wonderful caveat at the end on some of the 10 other ways to get your students loan forgiven and from, from your new article. Danielle, thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.